I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to the Convivial Homeschool Audio Blog, Episode 61. Welcome to the Convivial Homeschool Audio Blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. As mother teachers, what we most need is an educational philosophy. Actually, we all have one, but is it a good one? Season 10 will be taken from my series where I've been blogging through the great tradition, classical readings about what it means to be an educated person. After all, learning more about ourselves and our job and our students is key to consistency and sanity over the long haul. Let's dig in. Latin is brain exercise, and education works through habit. The great tradition Classical readings on what it means to be an educated human being is a collection of the writings about education from Plato to the modern era, the writings that have informed the development of Western civilization and classical education. I couldn't pass up today's selection, though, because I thought it directly applied to a question we often get from resistant students, skeptical friends, or even our own inner critic. Why study X when I'll never use it? in real life. Turns out, even people in Isocrates' days were asking that question. Impractical studies can be useful. What's even more surprising, I think, is that Isocrates believes that this is a valid and important question. He does not go on a tirade against practicality. He takes the question seriously. He agrees that most studies do and should have practical implications in our everyday life, and that that is right and good. Then he says that while most of our studies will be that sort of practical learning, it is also helpful if a portion of our work is rather more academic in nature, even if we do not plan on becoming academics. Some studies, he writes, quote, can be of no benefit to us after we have mastered them unless we have elected to make our living from the source. However, they still, quote, help us while we are in the process of learning. Classical education, being about learning how to learn, starts right here. I found it in an original source document. Quote, For while we are occupied with the subtlety and exactness of astronomy and geometry, and are forced to apply our minds to difficult problems, and are, in addition, being habituated to speak and apply ourselves to what has been said and shown to us, and not to let our wits go wool-gathering, We gain the power, after being exercised and sharpened on these disciplines, of grasping and learning more easily and more quickly those subjects which are of more importance and of greater value. Such impractical abstract studies he calls gymnastic of the mind and will, quote, increase their aptitude for mastering greater and more serious studies. So learning how to learn is a valid pursuit. I know that the right answer to why study Latin is supposed to be so that we can read Latin. I get it. But full buy-in on that one is really hard because, honestly, I doubt we'll get much beyond reading our little fabulae mirabilis. What if I have students who are not language-oriented? Should they even start if the goal is not realistic for them? If they don't reach the goal, is our time in Latin wasted? What if C.S. Lewis's comment that Latin was the best thing he ever forgot? He seems to have found the value in the process, rather than in a continuing result. 
Even though we've taken a two-year Latin program and stretched it out over four or four and a half years, I still see that it has been beneficial, even if we just stopped right there. It is math with language. It is logic with grammar. It is brain exercise. Of course, Isocrates wasn't speaking about learning Latin as an impractical subject, but he states the principle that applies beyond astronomy and geometry to any subject being attacked for being impractical. Mind gymnastics are practical, moving forward into anything that requires strong thinking, and really all of life should require that. Turns out that sometimes the practical effect is not a direct line. If we take a subject like arithmetic, we can draw a straight line and tell our kids or our critics that without this knowledge, they cannot balance their checkbook or be a smart shopper. We can think of direct practical applications readily, but not all practical benefits arrive in such a straight line. Some studies benefit us indirectly. Maybe they give us material for connections, metaphors for life, comparisons by which to make decisions. Perhaps they help us exercise our mind so it is stronger to tackle other things, or simply exercise it so it doesn't get dull. So don't worry if you can't defend a subject with immediate and direct practical use. We study what we study to grow in virtue and wisdom, and those often come by very indirect means, though never without diligence. And then on to Aristotle. Habituation begins when young and never ends. Here's a selection from Aristotle that was not in the great tradition, but applies here. It makes no small difference, then, to be habituated in this way or that straight from childhood, but an enormous difference, or rather, all the difference. Because you become what you repeatedly do, an Aristotle paraphrase, what we train up our children to do matters enormously. So then I was piqued to read this from the Great Tradition Selection, quote, It is not enough for people to receive the right nurture and discipline in youth. They must also practice the lessons they have learned and confirm them by habit when they are grown up. So Aristotle is saying we cannot neglect how our children are brought up, what they are accustomed to do and delight in as they grow. But those habits are only habits of character if the habit continues into adulthood. So habit training begins in childhood, but is confirmed in adulthood. Certainly we are to watch and train the habits of our children in our household, but that's not all the work to be done. The confirmation of the habit into a character is work done by the person himself when he is independent. The test of character comes when each person is an adult. Will he confirm the habits he was brought up to? Will he practice what he has been taught? The result is not all on us. We are smoothing the path and preparing our children for life, but they must be the ones to own it when they move into adulthood. And habit training is for us too. Good habits make character. And that's not only for children. Habits are for moms too. And I think that brings home the help that we are giving our children when we teach them good habits. How hard is it to change a habit, to learn a new pattern of doing things? It is very difficult. In our family, it was easy to follow the daily pattern of breakfast, chores, math, because that's what I grew up doing myself. That I was habituated to that pattern made it simple to return to when I had my own children. 
For myself, it has been difficult to learn to make my bed in the morning because not only did I not do that when I was a child, but I mocked and despised the habit on top of it. That made it all the more difficult to repent, turn back, and learn. However, it is possible. Adults are not beyond either sanctification or learning new habits. That should encourage us for ourselves, but also encourage us for our children. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver, Teaching Shakespeare. Step five, play the play. The best way to engage with Shakespeare is to be the one performing it. There are several ways to do this without being a drama person or making it a big production. Knowledge comes from doing, after all. Personally, I'm the sort very tempted to leave off the hands-on activity. I like the meat and substance, and acting out a scene or two seems like fluffy fun that can easily be dispensed with. However, in this case, that is not true. True knowing and understanding comes when we make the material our own, when we recreate or represent it in some sort of personal expression. In history or grammar, that might involve writing or speaking, but the most natural way to add personal expression with Shakespeare is to be the actor. Although it would be valuable, you don't have to have costuming and rehearsals in order to give your children the chance to act out Shakespeare. Here are some other low-key, low-commitment ways to add doing to your Shakespeare studies. 1. Duplo or Lego scenes and characters. 2. Illustrated comic book versions of selected scenes. 3. Monologues dramatically delivered, like at a tryout. 4. Puppets. Handcrafted, popsicle stick, finger puppets, paper dolls. These can even be recorded to make a movie. If you're interested in staging a scene, an abridged play, or simply delivering some acts or scenes with your kids or with a group, I've included some links below to homeschool moms who have done this in a low-key fashion in their homeschools. You can find that at the show notes at simplyconvivial.com slash audio and choose season 10. And there you will also find the resource page for Shakespeare, which has everything that we've used to study Shakespeare, as well as our memory pages to download. That's simplyconvivial.com slash audio. Thank you for listening to the Convivial Homeschool Audio Blog. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the episodes, any download links, and also sign up to get an email whenever a new episode comes out. I always appreciate your reviews also and Facebook shares. Education starts with humility. So let's repent, rejoice, repeat.